welcome to the Afterburners podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Oni, and this is episode 33. I know, I'm like that boxer on the, um, I don't know his name, but <laughs> I'm trying to do... Pardon? I'm trying to do... this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do that impression of the boxer's commentator. All right, then. Right, I'm here, Samuel Oni, with me, virtually, is Wes Spearman. Ah, Wes, how are you this evening? I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. I mean, what a race, again. This oh. season is one of the best in recent memory, and yeah, Brazil, another... Always classic, if you like. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. It's been a yeah, same that weekend, Brazil. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, people who are going to watch this, if you have not watched the Brazilian Grand Prix this last weekend, please, please go and watch it because it's absolutely great race, sensational race. Anyway, let's get into it. Qualifying: Lewis Hamilton was on pole from Mercedes coming into the race he had a lot to make up because Verstappen was ahead of him in the championship but he was on pole but unfortunately he was uh, disqualified due to a technical infringement with the rear wing Wes what are your thoughts I mean Mercedes would just have the pace again this weekend in qualifying I don't whether the engine that Hamilton the new ICE uh, ICE the combustion engine had any effect on that you think a little bit but probably not as much pace that he had all weekend because it wasn't just friday qualifying that he was fast it was the whole weekend he just seemed to have so much more pace than not just bottas but both the red bulls as well yeah as for the disqualification i suppose at the end of the day it is illegal um whether it was by like 0.2 of a millimeter or 10 millimeters or whatever whatever it was to do with the rear wing the drs there was too big of a gap between whether well, I'm not quite sure what it is in the end. I don't quite understand it myself, to be honest. But yeah. what, whatever it was, it was illegal. And at the end of the day, I suppose you have to say that if, if it's illegal, then the car has to be penalised. And that penalty is a, is a disqualification. Also mentioned that Verstappen got 50,000 euro fine for going into uh, another team's park, Fermi, which isn't allowed. Only authorised officials are allowed into park Fermi. Um, to, to scrutinise the cars to make sure they, they are legal. Whether that has any impact on what happened to Hamilton, whether that led to his car investigator, I think both he and Verstappen have said that that wasn't the case. And obviously, at the end of every sort of session in F1, they have scrutineer and make sure all the cars are complying to the rules. And obviously, Mercedes wasn't um, at that point. I think Mercedes were also a bit chased off of the fact that Red Bull have been allowed to replace parts or mend parts. Um, before scrutiny, I've heard that somewhere. Yes, um, I heard that as well. But yeah, I suppose if you go into scrutiny with an illegal car and they point out that it's illegal, then you can't really complain too much. Um, whether it was intentional, I don't think so. Um, so whether it was just a fault, it's just unlucky for Hamilton and Mercedes. But I suppose, again, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter too much. Yeah, yeah. And um, with that, Hamilton was disqualified from qualifying. Moving on to sprint qualifying then. At this point, Valtteri Bottas will now start on pole, if I'm correct. Yeah, Bottas will start Mm -hmm. on pole with Max Verstappen alongside him. And Ferrari's Carlos Sainz would go third as well. 
which was no, interesting. Just at, the, at the sprint grid, Verstappen was on pole, Bottas second, but then Bottas, I think we got confused with Bottas being pole because Bottas won the sprint race. It was, a good, oh. it was a good drive from Bottas. But it was, yeah. And yeah, as you say, Perez third. Gasly started fourth in that one as well. And yeah, and uh, Bottas, I mean, we, we, we were saying that since he's been announced to move to Alfa Romeo, he's actually done pretty good. He's done pretty well for himself. Um, unfortunately, that didn't translate into the race on Sunday, but yeah, good drive from Bottas, kept Verstappen off pole, which, to be fair, was probably his only job <laughs> during uh, the sprint race. Got three more points for himself and for Mercedes in the, in the Drivers' and Constructors' Championships. Um, it allows, well, just gives, I suppose, prevents Verstappen from getting an extra point over Hamilton, or, or an extra three points, rather, because obviously Hamilton finished outside the points in the sprint race. But I suppose it's just every little thing that Mercedes can do to try yeah. and limit <clears throat> the amount of points that Verstappen could get each weekend is, is 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 they're just doing what they've got to do and fair play to Bottas he, he, he did that on Saturday in the sprint race indeed indeed and it was the sprint race that really got everybody fired up in Brazil because Lewis Hamilton is starting at the back of the grid yes and it means Nikita Mazpin is starting in front of <laughs> Lewis Hamilton which is unthinkable really. unthinkable <laughs> like you don't you you don't picture that do you anyway Lewis Hamilton back of the grid in a sprint race and you're probably thinking nah it's it's not happening Lewis Hamilton's not gonna you know get into the top five or the top ten of the sprint race it's impossible what is he pro- what is he gonna do ladies and gentlemen one thing I have one thing to say for you never doubt Lewis Hamilton. Never doubt Lewis yeah. Hamilton because he <laughs> he can do the most unthinkable things in the most unlikeliest of situations. He 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 can pull things out of the bag. Yeah, I mean, twenty-four laps, fifteen places. It's just it was a remarkable drive from Hamilton, and I think people would have expected that maybe he might have gotten to say the top ten. Or something, maybe the top seven, eight, but to get fifth, 15 places, 24 laps, less than half an hour of racing. <laughs> I mean, A shows just how good a driver Hamilton is, and B shows how good the Mercedes car is, and just how much pace Mercedes had that weekend as well. Yeah. It was just an incredible, incredible drive. Finished above Gasly, who started fourth, above Leclerc, above Norris, Ocon Vettel, Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, just incredible driver i don't think we're running out of superlatives to describe just how good lewis hamilton is uh, yeah 15 yeah i just can't take away from that fact 15 places in 24 laps it's insane <laughs> i mean I, I don't even know i don't even know the maths that's that's almost like what six places per no that's not right <laughs> it's not six places for that <laughs> no sorry I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. My maths wasn't wasn't. It's, it's a lot, basically. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's one one point six places per lap. Yeah. No, it's not. I've done that the wrong way around. Zero <laughs> point six places per lap. Right. So so every <laughs> to be every, fair, every 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 yeah every two laps or every five laps he's overtaking three people. Yeah. Yeah. We got there in the end. Anyway, but but it's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? Because you you don't you don't think that Hamilton's gonna do something like that but 
he just pulls out some miraculous performance and that that means as well as the five place grid penalty he has to the race it means he doesn't have to start any lower than 10th which is ultimately where he started for the race but how impressed have you been with Hamilton this season that's almost um, a silly question but <laughs> go on I suppose actually over the course of the season probably not as impressed as I have been with him over the last say five six years because it's the first time that oh, he, he's behind in the championship since probably Rosberg in 2016 yeah but still the, the drives that he that he's put in I mean this is probably the best of the lot certainly this season this is his best drive I can't think of many other drives besides maybe Hungary where he was the only one to line up on the restart only one to hit it went back to what, yeah. 15th 16th and then back up into I think it was second at the end after Vettel was disqualified so yeah it's just, yeah it just over the course of the whole season perhaps I mean I'm still impressed with him don't, don't get me wrong yeah, yeah, he's still of course. Uh, well arguably the best driver on the grid um, and easily one of the greatest of all time but yeah this this weekend he just he was just in a league of his own really and a lot a lot of drivers after after hearing that Hamilton was finished P5 P5 a lot of drivers were almost looking over the, your shoulder thinking right this guy has gone up 15 places and he started P5 i wonder how fast he's going to be come sunday's race i mean alonso i think just laughed when he asked his his engineers so it was just like oh, so where did hamilton finish in the end and they were just like fifth and he, i think he just laughed it off it was just yeah, that's just Lewis Hamilton. He can just do those things. He can do magic things that makes, him 15, <laughs> makes up 15 places in 24 laps in less than half an hour. Yeah, r- ridiculous sprint race. Uh, easily the best sprint race of the season. I mean, yeah. it, there wasn't much competition at, at Silverstone and Monza, but maybe this, this weekend has given perhaps a few more people or made a few more people feel a bit more comfortable with, with sprint races, perhaps. Maybe, well, not next year, but maybe a few years down the line, perhaps taking over as, as the main sort of qualifying format. I mean, I'm so happy with, with Q1, Q2, Q3 as per normal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this, the sprint race, you get another race, and if it's like Brazil every week, then you get another action-packed race as well. Of course, of course. And um, from sprint qualifying to the Sunday race. And um, the Sunday race, we all watched it or listen to it on the radio, like myself. And it was a very, it was an eye-opener, especially the first lap, especially the start-finish line. Um, Bottas didn't get a very good start. Bottas did not get a very good start. Now, if I remember correctly, go on, Wes, you take it away, because I've almost forgotten it. (laughs) That's very Um, bad of me. (laughs) So Bottas on pole. Uh, after the sprint race and I think tried to go round the outside of, of certainly the first uh, part of the centre the sort of left-hander but then that meant Verstappen had to the, the inside line for it, the Curva del Sol the sort of big left-hander onto the back straight and yeah Bottas I don't know what happened to him, he just seemed to lose pace there when he tried to go round the outside of I think it's called Curva del Sol turn what three four and yeah that allowed Perez to come through as well so it was a Red Bull 1-2 after the first few corners, which I don't think many people would have expected. I think myself included, I thought Bottas would, again, with the pace that Mercedes had shown that weekend, 
I suppose the confidence that he would have had off the back of winning the sprint race as well, maybe he would have been a bit faster, certainly held held the lead for the first lap or two before the Red Bulls got through. But for whatever reason, it wasn't to be for Bottas, let both Red Bulls through. I think one of the Ferraris as well, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Leclerc or Science made up uh, a few places uh, as well. But um, I mean, awesome is the Carlos Science third in the sprint race. As well, I that think was, it was that's br- that was brilliant, brilliant from Carlos Sainz. Um, another another driver who's been had a good performance this week, this season, and um, yeah, he started very well. Yeah, and then I suppose the race sort of I was I say settled down a little bit. It did a bit of a front, but meanwhile <laughs> a bit further back, Hamilton was just he made up about five places on the first lap, I think it was, and he was back up into. It was, I think it was third place by lap five. And at that point, oh, wait, yeah, Bottas had to let him through on about lap five <laughs> into third place and we could attack the two Red Bulls. Yeah, um, team, which, team radio in the Mercedes. I think he said, I think Bono may have said, or Bottas engineer, he said, uh, inverts cars. Invert the cars, yeah. Invert the cars. And then, you know, Hamilton said, thank you, Valtteri. And so, you know, for letting him for letting him through. And then Hamilton said, "Oh, Valtteri, follow me. Where 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 is he going?" I didn't I didn't know what he meant by that. I, I think he just probably meant, "Oh, let's let's drive together and get these Red Bulls." I think that that's what he said. But yeah, just his radio, which I thought was nice, because it then because with Hamilton now in front, he could like he could he could like set his sights on Verstappen, you know, because he's already made up. Mm eight places to get into p2 which was absolutely stunning just just amazing so yeah what was your um what was your big moment of the race listening to it watching it what what was the what was the eye opener for you on that sunday um, race I said that, 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 there were a few i think i think the first one would have been uh the battle hamilton and perez had um, i think it was again at, at, at the center s's um, I think Hamilton overtook him, and then Perez got it back from I think from memory, and then stayed ahead for another lap or two, and then was it Hamilton? Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, unfortunately for Red Bull fans uh, and Red Bull themselves, and Hamilton managed to get back ahead. And I suppose the big moment is well, obviously people on YouTube will be able to see my background is of when Verstappen and Hamilton went off at. Um, I think turn four or five, I can't remember what they're called now. But yeah, where Verstappen went to, this was after, I think it was after both uh, sets of pit stops. Mercedes uh, pitted, for, uh, pitted first with Hamilton uh, to get the undercut on Red Bull, which sort of worked a little bit because I think after that pit stop, Hamilton was about two and a half seconds, 2.6 seconds behind Verstappen. Then Verstappen pitted, I think, the next lap. And then, sorry, was then 2.6 seconds ahead of Hamilton. And then Verstappen went over the radio saying we can't let ourselves be undercut again. Both teams doing the two stop of uh, Red Bull pitted Verstappen first that time round. Uh, I think they got a bit of a lead back over Hamilton, but <laughs> Hamilton was just a machine in that second stint or those second set of hards. And yeah, the big moment where they came, well, almost came together, I suppose you could say, because Verstappen went the inside, uh, the sort of usual defensive position. Hamilton round the outside on the right-hand side of the track. And yeah, both drivers running off the road. Off the road. <laughs> There'll be debate whether 
Oh, but is there much debate as to whether that was intentional by Verstappen? I don't think so. It depends. I mean, I've it seen, depends on how you see it. How, how do you see it watching watching the clip? How how did you uh, see? How did you see? Like, who's at fault? Whether and also, should it have been investigated? Because it wasn't investigated by the stewards. Well, they investigated it and decided that no, that there wouldn't be a penalty. That it, it didn't warrant a penalty. But from what I saw on Channel 4 highlights and what I think Anthony Davidson said on his little Sky analysis, what David Coulthard said on, on commentary on Channel 4 is that Max Verstappen had no intent to hex over the corner. He intended to run at, at least Hamilton, whether he intended to run himself off the track, I'm not too sure. But yeah, for, for all intents and purposes, Max Verstappen wanted to run Hamilton out of the road, run him off onto the little... I say little is quite big in that picture on the YouTube background on the, on the green and yellow uh, sort of runoff area. And well, you, you could say it, it worked at least for a lap or two until Hamilton made the move stick at the same corner, as I say, a lap or two later. But did it deserve a penalty? A lot of people are saying, yes, it did deserve a penalty, at least five seconds. And I can understand that. But at the same time, there have also been incidents this season where Turkey, for example, Hamilton versus Perez, where in, in the last few corners, Hamilton tried to essentially push Perez down the pit lane. Yeah. And Perez went past the, the pit bollard, which usually isn't an indication that you have to pit, but then came back onto the track and he, he didn't get penalised for that, uh, Lewis Hamilton. So I, I can see why people are saying that it, that it deserves a penalty. I can see why people are saying that it doesn't deserve a penalty. I suppose at the end of the day, it is clean hard racing i mean neither driver was hurt there's no damage to the cars i think in my view i think it it should be penalized by five seconds because the the amount of well this isn't very good for listeners on anchor and spotify but in the picture on youtube you can just see how far off the track those cars are they're at least two if not three cars that's off the track which is almost the width of the track itself at that mm-hmm. point yeah um which is yeah it's, it's for, for, i think for that reason that i think if hamilton was just nudged just off the curve and verstappen was still inside the track limits then i think that would have been fine but because the cars are just so far off the track and verstappen didn't intend at all to essentially let hamilton go round the outside which is is fair you can understand why this <laughs> is good hard racing but to, to push him that far off the track and to go off track himself by by that far as well by three cars whips yeah that that warrants a penalty for me what are your thoughts i think well my thoughts are probably probably the same as yours that well i think verstappen may not have given hamilton enough space coming on the right hand side as especially as hamilton is coming on the outside as well which which leads to Hamilton and Verstappen himself going off track, and then and then it just raises a lot of questions as to like should it have been a penalty, some sort of punishment for Verstappen and stuff like that, which which um, which ultimately has led to Mercedes up until today this afternoon prompting asking for a rights to review investigation to the stewards. Mercedes sent out a statement today asking for a review of the incident between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen 
asking the stewards to look into it because it was it was the talk it was the talk of the race like everyone was talking about it and Mercedes appealing that Verstappen should have been punished for it because well it's not that they didn't like it it's just you know what I mean so yeah because Mercedes will say at the end of the day that it's Verstappen pushing Hamilton off track and he's entitled to defend his position I suppose Verstappen but yeah do it by that much to get both cars off the track and onto the runoff zone is wrong and whether it matters too much because it doesn't really matter because Hamilton won the race I suppose you could say but for Mercedes and for Lewis Hamilton it will matter that if well if Verstappen gets a five second penalty because Bottas was three seconds behind uh, Verstappen or Perez I got yeah it was Bottas behind I think I mean I've got lost on it here. Yeah, it, it was Bottas in third, um, who was 3.1 seconds behind. So a five-second penalty applied to Verstappen will mean that Hamilton would essentially get a, a, an extra three points or a 10-point difference between first and, uh, first and third for that weekend, which will bring the points deficit for Hamilton further down. I can't remember what it is now. It was, it was 21 after the sprint race, and it's now just 14 points, whereas... Mercedes and Hamilton could have been potentially looking at a 28-point deficit if Verstappen won the race, which is just, I mean, to get it down from what could have been 28 points down to 14 is a remarkable effort and an incredible, incredible drive from, from Hamilton to yeah. win the race from 10th. It's, it's the second lowest uh, position that he's won a race from. I think he's won a race uh, from 14th. That was the yeah, that's correct. Years yeah. ago. Yeah, incredible drive. Probably one of the best of his career. I think, he, I think he, he, said just, him, he said that himself <clears throat> in the... Uh, <clears throat> yeah. He said that himself just given, when speaking just to... Just given what went on... Felipe Massa. That weekend, yeah. yeah. Essentially 25 places over the course of, of two days, over the course of 100 laps, nearly. I think 95 laps, whatever it was. Yeah, incredible, insane. I mean, a, a lot of F1 driver won't make up 25 places in a year. I mean, the back mark, because the horses won't make up 25 places <laughs> in a year, let's face it. So for Lewis Hamilton to do that in one weekend, 95 laps, yeah, insane, insane drive. And now you go into this position with three races to go. We've got Qatar coming up this weekend, which, from what I've seen, could potentially favour Mercedes a bit more. I think it could do well for Red Bull as well, because it looks to be quite high downfall track, which I think typically suits Red Bull quite well. I think just the power of Mercedes will work better in these Middle Eastern tracks. And yeah, we come into a position where if Hamilton wins the next two races, so Qatar and Saudi Arabia, and either fastest, even either Verstappen or Hamilton get fastest lap, or Verstappen and Hamilton get one fastest lap each, then we'll be in a situation where we come to Abu Dhabi last week. We saw season. this on Twitter, <laughs> well, didn't we? Three, four we weeks saw this, yeah. <laughs> I think it was ESPN who, who tweeted this one out, but if that happens, then we'll, <laughs> we'll go into the last race of the season with the championship level at however many points it'll be. There, there will be a zero points gap between Verstappen and Hamilton. I assume if the season, if the championship, say for example that both well, that Verstappen and Hamilton are taken out <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. If they if they take each other out, if they have failures, whatever, I assume that the championship will come down to whoever has the most race wins. Wouldn't that I be Verstappen in this case? I think that's what would happen. 
that's a good question and I wish because I thought Hamilton, that before, because before before, before, before Brazil point. Hamilton had not won since oh okay since <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not sure where is it I had the page up for all that the races right because he didn't win in Austin he certainly didn't win in Turkey mm. so Verstappen has won nine races this season Lewis Hamilton has won six right so even if Hamilton wins the next two, Verstappen still has a one race win advantage over Hamilton. So I mean, I'm just looking forward to that prospect. I'm, I'm hoping Hamilton does win the next two races now with Verstappen second. Yeah. And we come into Abu Dhabi with both level on points. Absolute scenes. I, this could I don't be think we've seen something like that. I don't think we've seen an F1 championship or an F1 season where top two drivers are level on points with one race to go. No. So it, it, it is just a winner-takes-all race, and that could potentially be fireworks at the end if Verstappen and Hamilton are racing wheel-to-wheel, which hopefully they will with the new changes uh, made to Abu Dhabi makes racing a little bit well, a little bit more exciting, more wheel-to-wheel action. Fingers crossed that they do race wheel-to-wheel, and I mean, whoever it is will be a worthy champion, either Verstappen, either Hamilton, but I'm just looking forward to that prospect mm. <laughs> with one race, one race to go and winner takes all. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, in- anyway. Indeed, indeed. And um, the predictions went, well, I, I, I say, I say the predictions went pretty well. I don't know about you, but I felt well, very confident about my predictions. You did. You got a, po- you got a point and I didn't <laughs> on our predictions because I predicted Perez poll, you predicted Hamilton poll, which... What, you, you you would have almost got, I suppose, if if, if he, he wasn't disqualified. disqualified. If he wasn't disqualified, then he would have been on pole for the sprint race, and I'm fairly sure he would have held on to to the lead for the sprint race as well. Mm. So no points for pole. You got a point for Hamilton being race winner. Oh, that um, was very good. I'll say at at the point we did the prediction, we didn't know that he he took a new ICE. We didn't know that he would be yeah. disqualified or anything. Yeah. So and then driver of the day. I think you were debating whether to go Hamilton for driver of the day as well I was in the end you, in, in the end you went Landon Norris I think it was also quite close because he got a puncture on the first lap and then made it back up into the points yeah I think Norris was a contender for driver day I think he was third after Verstappen and Hamilton wow they almost got an, an extra bonus point for driver of the day wow I, mean, I went Carlos Sainz who, <laughs> who finished he finished after starting third so not not a great weekend for sorry a good weekend for Ferrari though increased their lead uh, over McLaren with uh, just uh, Lando Norris scoring the one point for McLaren. Does this ga- does this Ferrari... guarantee Ferrari to finish third in the constructors championship? Because it, they do it have. It doesn't a... guarantee them. It doesn't guarantee them to finish third, but it certainly makes their life a lot more easier. They lead McLaren by thirty-one and a half points, which is a lot to make up. And especially, I don't really see either team finishing on the podium uh, in the last three races. So. It, McLaren have been a little bit unlucky, um, you could say, um, with Ricardo retiring in Brazil and uh, Norris only taking one point as well after a puncture. That it, it hurt them badly, um, and, but I mean, hopefully they can get close to Ferrari if not overtake them. But um, Ferrari have they seem to come back a little bit this year mm. from the horror show they had last year, finishing in sixth. Yeah. Um, to come back this year now, at the moment, back in third place in the constructors, 
They've done really, really well. Alpine and AlphaTauri as well, still level on points. I think they were level last weekend. <laughs> they're still level on 112 points each. So I'm looking forward to seeing who finishes fifth out of those two, Alpine and AlphaTauri. I think it'll be Alpine, only just though. Aston Martin seventh, Williams eighth, Alfred Bay ninth, past tenth. They won't change. <laughs> the bottom four won't change. It'll, just, it'll no. be. It's a debate for. It's, it's a battle for fifth place and it's a battle for third. I know battle for first as well actually. Mercedes leading uh, Red Bull by eleven points with three races with three races to go as well. So it's, it's all hotting up as it was the back end of the season. So we've talked Brazilian Grand Prix. We've talked about Hamilton's heroics. We've talked about the race incident between Hamilton and Verstappen and Mercedes have requested for a rights of review to the stewards. Now, this weekend is the Qatar Grand Prix, the third race triple header and um, a new track in the Middle East. Just some facts here. 51 laps for drivers to race around. It's a 5.3 kilometers circuit length and a race distance of 306.6 kilometers and there's also been talk whether it's going to be either a day race or the night race or a night race sorry so maybe like i think the key factor here depending on whether it's a day race or a night race would be the tire choices you know because the weather is going to play a huge role into this What's your what's your thoughts on on this um, new Qatar race coming up this weekend? <laughs> well, I think it's a complete wrong decision to, for everyone to go race in Qatar. Uh, to be quite honest, a because of the the country's government political issues, you could say in regards to human rights. Um, you could say that with any of the Arabia, you could say it for quite a lot of tracks on the F1 calendar. To to be real, but in particular those in in, in, in Arabia, obviously Qatar, Bahrain, UAE, and now Saudi Arabia as well. But the track just, it doesn't inspire me. It's not, I don't think it's going to be good for Formula One. It's, uh, it's, um, worth, because... it's worth noting, sorry, that um, MotoGP use the Lost Hill track regularly as well. Yeah, but MotoGP also uses Portimao and Mugello which, again, are races that didn't provide great racing for Formula 1 over the last, over the last couple of years. And I don't see why Lausale will be, will be any different because there's a, there's a lack of hard braking zones. There's only one major straight, um, which is just under a kilometre long, so it's not exactly massive either. The turn 1 really seems to be the only um, overtaking opportunity, and even that isn't a, hard, a terribly hard braking zone. It's not like... The center races at Brazil, uh, for example, uh, it just seems fast corner after fast corner after medium fast corner. There's no real opportunity for, for overtake. I think the average speed round the lap is like 237 kilometers an hour. Yeah, which yep. I mean I can't do the I can't convert it in my head, but it's very very fast. Which tells me that the drivers don't really need to hit the brakes that often. So the engines are going to be pushed, especially if it's a day race, given the, the temperatures in Arabia. It'll be around about 35, 40 degrees, I expect. Yeah. Uh, if it's a night race, obviously that will drop down a little bit. but It'll, it'll drop still, down to around the... 20 degrees. I mean, that's still hot. I mean, we're yeah. from the UK. That is, that's like a, a, a nice warm summer's day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be, given the, the, the drivers in their fireproof suits and helmets, they're going to be 
sweating bullets by the end of it. Mm. I mean, I, I quite like it to be a night race. Okay. If I had to choose for between a day and a night race, just because I think it looks a little bit better as a night race, but yeah, I think it'll make things easier a bit on the tyres. But then, do we want things to be easier on the tyres? Do we want them to get hotter? I assume the hardest compounds of tyres will be used because it's quite a fast track and fast corners, so the tyre degradation will be a bit higher. But sorry, um, yeah, I mean, I hope it can prove me wrong and be a good race. But from what I've seen of like virtual onboard laps and laps on MotoGP, it seems to be more of a motorbike track than yeah than, than a, a, a car racing track, which is understandable given MotoGP race there. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't appeal to me as as a race track, let mm. alone the country itself. Mm. I mean, aside from the political views that comes with Qatar and other Arabian countries, I I will give it a chance come the weekend and see if it's good for formula formula one cars because it's a it's a first it's a first time that qatar are doing this and we all know that money money talks in a sport like formula one like i'm giving you x amount of millions (laughs) it's you know you're not gonna say no to it are you so think of think of all the other tracks that f1 could have raced at this year and Canada was dropped because of COVID. That's fair enough. But we could yeah. have had Malaysia, for example. That Malaysia hasn't been on, hasn't been on there for a long time. 2016-2017. Malaysia's, yeah. I think, is a decent track. Could have had Germany, either the Nürburgring or Hockenheim. We could have had Spa again, the Spa Redemption round, if you like, <laughs> after the farcical race. Um, yeah. Where it tipped it down and no one could overtake it behind the safety car. Um, Australia. Where else we could have had Australia, potentially. Uh, might be a bit difficult with quarantine and COVID. Oh, yeah. Kill Army in South Africa, potentially. Could have had another race in the States. Watkins Glen, for example, somewhere like that. Miami, give Miami a chance. Long Beach. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere, another street circuit, maybe. The Buddha International Circuit in India, where F1, F1 has raced at Yongnam in South Korea. Loads and loads of places where F1 could have potentially raced at. But, no, we're going to a motorbike track in Qatar. So... After traveling between the USA, Mexico, and Brazil, we've got to cross the Atlantic Ocean, cross all of Africa to get to Qatar in a week. It's insane scheduling and wrong scheduling. <laughs> it's wrong track, wrong, yeah, everything, really, to be honest, in regards to this coming weekend. Indeed, indeed. Um, and before we finish off, we've got one more piece of news to discuss, which it came out today, this afternoon, that almost almost surprising really that Alfa Romeo's Antonio Giovinazzi will be leaving Formula One at the end of the season with um F2's Gu I don't know how to say his first name Gu Ganju from F2 will be will be replacing him in taking the second seat and driving alongside Valtteri Bottas for 2022 what are your thoughts? Well, let me let me let me give you my thoughts. Actually, um, yeah, I think it's <laughs> come as a surprise. For must have been a surprise to Giovinazzi and everyone in Formula One because, let's be honest, Giovinazzi is not a race winner, but he is somebody mm. to have in that Formula One community. You know, he's quiet, but yeah. he's just someone to have in that team. 
he's not a big name, but he's just, you know, like, he's a good driver. He's not bad. He's not, he's in a decent team. And he didn't do so bad this season. Well, I think, I don't know, just looking at his, his career stats, he's done, at time of recording, 59 races, got 19 points. Uh, last year, he was 17th with four points. This year, has he got any points? I can't remember. Let's just have a look if I can find, if I can find the driver's standings now. They've <laughs> got lost on me. Uh, let's have a look. So one point for Giovinazzi this year. So can you argue that that's worthy of keeping a seat in F1? He's been racing in F1 for three full seasons. Um, did a couple races for Sauber in 2017, where he stood in for Pascal Wehrlein. Um, that's uh, Australia and China, I think. So is, is, is it argued that he deserves to stay in Formula 1? I think I do feel a bit sad for him because, yeah. as I say, he, seems, he just seems like a nice guy, like a genuine nice guy. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he's not a, a, as good a driver. Well, he's not the best driver on the grid. I wouldn't say he's as good as, say, like Norris or Ricardo or uh, Vettel, Ocon, Alonso, people like that. But yeah. He's, I, just, I don't know. It feels like his career has been cut short a little bit in Formula. I feel like he had more to give. And mm-hmm. I think if you got him into like a, a decent midfield car, like say the, uh, the Aston Martin or the Alpine, yeah, uh, Alpha Tauri, I think he would have been a reliable point scorer. Mm-hmm. But has has he been a, a good enough number two to Kimi Raikkonen at Alfa Romeo? Debatable. I think he and did. Did he not get that one point in Monaco in 10th place? That's a good question. I've got no idea. Because I, I believe he did finish 10th this season in AGP, which um, I think it was Monaco. I'm just trying to have a look, actually. It was indeed Monaco. Well remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just look, looking through the races for this season. 12th in Bahrain, 14th at Imola, 12th in Portimao, 15th in Spain, at one point in Monaco, just outside the points in Azerbaijan, 11th. Uh, France and Syria 15th, Austria 14th, uh, a run of three 13ths in a row, a bit unlucky mm. <laughs> for the UK, Hungary, Belgium, 14th Netherlands, 13th Italy, uh, 16th Russia, and then a run of three 11th places at Turkey, the USA, and Mexico, and obviously 14th uh, at, uh, at Sao Paulo at the weekend. So a little bit unlucky to miss out on, how uh, was it, four points scoring positions, just one point outside the points on four occasions. So Arguably a little bit unlucky. Yeah. Um, got a few points last year. as Well, four points last year, two tenth places and a, and a ninth place. But compare that to Kim Raikkonen. Yeah, Raikkonen's a vastly more experienced driver. But after three years, you'd have found your feet in the car. You'd know what the car feels like. Know all the tracks fairly well, you'd, have, you'd think anyway. So whether he's good enough to say, I don't know. But it, that doesn't mean I, I, I can't feel sorry for him. If like, because... It's nice to have an Italian driver racing for an Italian team, if you know what I mean, because Alfa Romeo, sort of half Italian, half Swiss, <laughs> team yeah. with the links to Salva. But yeah, I, I still feel a bit sorry for, for Giovinazzi. And as you say, allows uh, Guan Yu Zhou from F2 to, to make way, whether he's deserved his place, earned his place. There will be debate about that. There has been debate about that. People saying that Oscar Piastri or Theo Porcher uh, should mm. get the seat instead. I think Piastri has gone to Alpine to be their reserve driver for next yeah. year. Yeah, um, that's very good. It's interesting him. that um, that both uh, Joe and Piastri are part of the Alpine Drivers Academy, and yet Brandon Joe has gone to a Ferrari-powered Ferrari 
not necessarily junior team, but that sort of thing. Ferrari, there's a word and I can't think of what it is. <laughs> but that sort of team that has links with Ferrari. So whether that will spell the end of run maybe through the Alpine and Renault Drivers Academy. Do you mean like a sister team? Sort of, yeah. So yeah, like because obviously Alfa Romeo and Haas are powered by Ferrari, they have links to Ferrari. Yeah. And Charles Leclerc, for example, made his way from Alfa Romeo Sauber into the main Ferrari Ferrari team. So whether Guanajuato will keep his links with Alpine uh, after this move, I don't know. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see how he does because I can't remember where he is in the F2 uh, season. I think he's about fourth. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, from what I've heard, there are more talented drivers like Castry, like Porsche, um, who could have got the seat. And in the video that WTF1 released today, I think they said um, something about sponsorship money and that Guan Yu Zhou is more of a paid driver than getting in on pure, on pure merit, on pure talent. But um, sponsor might have allegedly offered up to $30 million, I think it was, um, the Euros. I can't quite remember. That's a lot for of money. Guan Zhou to, <laughs> for Guan Yu Zhou. a lot of money. Which is a lot of money, and I think that makes him potentially the third paid driver on the grid after Mazepin and Stroll. I mean, obviously, F1 drivers and racing drivers carry a lot of sponsors with them, but I mean, Stroll is there primarily because his dad owns the team. Same with Mazepin. <laughs> you can potentially yeah. argue the same with Guan Yu Zhou going into Alfa Romeo. But um, I look forward to seeing how he, how he gets on. Hopefully, he doesn't flop um, and people just take the out of him like we do with Mazepin. I mean, Mazepin's <laughs> for other reasons besides yeah, being that's, a pay driver. Yeah, that's so. other reasons. Yeah, but first Chinese F1 driver, that's quite some history. It is. And F1 has raced in, in China for quite a few years now. So to be the first one from China to, to make that break for into, into Formula 1 is, is quite a big piece of history. I mean, we've had, we we have had, I don't know, have we had an Indian driver before? I know we've uh, had yeah, Indonesian. Narain Kane and Hariato, uh, Hariato from Indonesia. From Indonesia, yeah. We've had uh, Kobayashi from Japan, yeah. and um, yeah, Sato as well. Ide, yeah. And we've got Sonoda this year. Yeah, of course. Yes, <laughs> forgot about Sonoda. For we've got Sonoda this year. <laughs> so yeah, we've had, we've the Asian community. They've they've produced a lot of F1 drivers over the years, so they've done pretty well. Yeah, and um, also, sticking with Antonio Giovinazzi, it was announced very quickly, I believe, because yes, it, was, yeah. it was quite <laughs> quick. It's like you leave one form of motorsport and he's immediately jumped into another in mere hours. Giovinazzi, it's been announced that he'll be joining Formula E uh, next season with uh, the Dragon... FE team partnering Sergio Sete Camera. So yeah, and it's gonna be good. Him in a Formula E car. That's gonna be exciting. Yeah, definitely. I mean that we've seen quite a few F1 drivers go over to Formula E, obviously Stoffel Van Dorn, um Felipe Massa, Pascal Verlein, Pascal Verlein, Lucas Degrassi, Antonio Felix de Costa, John Eric Verne, who's a two time champion. So he's not the first to do it. And I hope it works out for him because as we said, he's he seems like a nice, obviously we haven't, <laughs> haven't had the pleasure of meeting him, but from just the aura that you get from him, the sort of vibes you get from him, he just mm. seems like a, a genuine nice guy. And uh, I'm just trying to find out where uh, Dragon finished uh, in the uh, in the championship. They're, they're a decent team. For what I uh, remember, I think Seti Camera was fighting for 
with podiums and race wins a few times last season. And just, I, I hope it works out for him. I hope he does well in, in Formula E and doesn't sort of get this reputation of, oh, I couldn't make it in F1, so yeah, so switch to Formula E sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah just looking at, uh, well, they finished 11th actually, Dragon, so <laughs> second from bottom uh, after Neo. So, but he brings experience with it. He brings single-seater experience, brings... But then when we spoke to Hazel Southall quite a while ago now, she said that it doesn't really matter what sort of background these drivers are from because Formula E is just completely different. So, again, just hope it works out for him. Hope Dragon can get back up to uh, up to mid-table, top of the table, and hopefully the experience that Giovinazzi brings with him will, will help them to do that. Indeed, indeed. And um, just lastly, before we finish off, round it off, predictions for Qatar. Yeah, I know. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, predictions for Qatar. Obviously, it's a first-time track for everybody, but we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Just, just two more, two more races, three more races, three more three races, races to go. I'm not going to waste any time. I think it'll be Hamilton pole and Hamilton win. <laughs> just because I think I think the track will suit Mercedes most. Yeah, it's a side downfalls which can favour up a little bit, but I think just the the power of the Mercedes and the confidence they must have off off the back of Brazil. Mm-hmm. I think that will, that will help them quite a bit going into into Qatar. Drive of the day, tricky, <laughs> I think. Again, we've only got one right all season, and you nearly got one right last week as well. So one out of, what we know, 19 races, 20 races? Yeah, 20. <laughs> we well on, on the drive of the day front. Yeah. I think Qatar's the 20th. No, 20, yeah, no, Qatar's Brazil's 20th. The, yeah. Drive of the day, I'm going to go Sebastian Vettel. Okay. I think another Mercedes-powered car, I think, Aston Martin are that sort of team that might start outside the points, but then Vettel can work his way up into the points, maybe get a sixth or, or a seventh, maybe a mm-hmm. fifth place if he's lucky. Had a good had a good few races early on in the season, was provisionally second for Hungary before he got disqualified, I think got second or third uh, again at Azerbaijan. So yeah, Vettel for, Vettel for drive of the day, why not? Okay, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Right, I'm going to probably, well, I'm going to repeat, repeat what you said. I think Hamilton's going to take a double sweep with pole position and race win. It suits Mercedes. I feel Mercedes will have a good advantage going into um, the Middle East. And um, yeah, Lewis Hamilton for pole, pole position, race win. Hopefully he can get 102 now. And um, driver of the day. I mean, this drive. Well, I don't know. It's it's a yeah. Drive of today has never been easy. Um, Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo. I think. I was, he, I was thinking of McLaren. He he's <laughs> had a. If I was to describe his season, he's had a. He's probably disappointed. Maybe disappointed yeah, this so. this season. He he won in Monza, which was great. But um, overall, I think he he hasn't really. He, he's getting to grips with the car, but Lando Norris has outperformed him this season. But I think Daniel Ricciardo could go to Qatar and put in a good drive and just try and finish the season as strongly as he can. And that's him for drive of today for me, for Qatar. Oh, well, both gone Hamilton Paul, both, both gone Hamilton win. And slightly different drive of the day, but still Mercedes power teams. Of course, of course. Interesting, interesting. And um, yeah, it will be interesting for Qatar this weekend. As as I've said, first time 
track in 2021. We just hopefully, well, I'm not going to say it's going to be exciting because you said that Formula One in Qatar may not, you know, live to the hype with the rating. But but it's, yeah, it's the most it's F, it's four wheelers racing on two wheel track. Yeah, it's <laughs> what I think anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we hope you've enjoyed the episode of the Burners podcast. And I've been your host, Samuel Oni. We've had an amazing Hamilton weekend last last time out in Brazil. Can he do it again in Qatar? Can he take that, put one hand on the F1 World Championship? Who knows? Well, I've been your host, Samuel Oni. And it's a goodbye from me. Bye-bye. And a goodbye from Wes. Bye-bye. And we hope you enjoy Qatar this weekend.